It's time for the Rich Life Retirement Show, brought to you by retirement professional and Wall Street Journal best-selling author, Bo Henderson. This is the one place committed to helping you navigate all aspects of a successful, meaningful, and fulfilling retirement. Let's get started. Here's Bo Henderson and Bill Maine. Yes, indeed. Here we are once again, together again. Bill Maine with Bo Henderson. How you doing, Bo? Good, Bill. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here because on today's show, after you leave a job, what should you do with your 401k? We're going to talk about some of your options. We'll talk about planning for health care costs in retirement. And we're also going to have listener questions. But first, let's check in with our retirement resource, Bo Henderson, about what you've got coming up for folks because you're out and about again. Yeah, I'm really excited because we're actually going to start giving a, a shot at doing live workshops again. Fantastic. We've got a couple of venues and we're going to be at the Buford Community Center August 18th and 20th, and then we'll be back up here in Gainesville at North Hall Community Center um, September 8th, 10th, and 11th. Okay, so if good. any of those dates sound good, you can go to richlifeadvisors.com and just let us know. We'll register you for that event. We'll be talking about Social Security, taxes and retirements, all the fun stuff we talk about here. <laughs> all the essential stuff we need to know about, for sure. Now, if someone has a retirement question or knows that it's time to come in for a, a, a checkup, I mean, what, what can they do? No, it's a good. I'm glad you used the terminology checkup. We used to call, we used to have a, a, a call to action. We'd call it a CPR. So maybe we need to resuscitate your retirement. Right? <laughs> okay. So what we do when somebody's thinking, you know what, um, I'm within that 10 year window of transitioning into retirement. The retirement checkup, typically what that is, somebody calls in and we sit down, we spend one hour and we answer your top three concerns. We, we answer questions and we do a quick checklist on your income plan your growth plan, your tax plan, your estate plan, and your health care plan. Okay. And what you walk away with in that hour are, here's the areas I need to address moving forward. So it gives us some action items so we're not just stuck wondering if we're doing what we can do. So that's the five fingers of retirement, so to speak. That's right. Those are the five things you need. So fistful of retirement, if you will. Hey, of course, you know we talk about this all the time, and I encourage folks to look up what's going on with Bo Henderson and his books. He's a USA Today and Wall Street Journal uh, bestselling author. Nine books and we've been giving them away the past couple of weeks. Are we going to do another book giveaway today? You want to do that? Let's give them away as long as, you know, we've had a great response from the show, Bill. Good. And as long as people are calling saying, hey, I want to learn more, we'll keep giving away books. All right. Okay. We're going to do that a little bit later on. Before we get to that, let's dive right into the meat of this. The new health care estimates are in. And Fidelity says a 65-year-old couple retiring this year can expect to spend about $295,000 in health care costs over the rest of their lives. That's $10,000 more than last year. And considering that we still have all our other retirement expenses to pay, how in the world do we get ready for something like that? That's a big hill to climb, Bo. That's a huge expense, and it's something we can't neglect. You know, I remember we were just talking recently, and it seems like we we're talking about that number being two hundred sixty-five thousand uh, dollars. And and here's the thing, Bill: that includes your Medicare Part A, B, and D, the premiums and deductibles, but it doesn't include your over-the-counter medications, any kind of vitamin supplements, glasses. Long-term care insurance isn't included, and this alone could cost you thousands of dollars a month. So what we need to do is not neglect and be caught by surprise. We need to start today thinking about, okay, uh, do I have $300,000 that I could earmark to cover health care expense in retirement? If not, then we need to start looking, are there ways I could leverage insurances? Am I doing the best I can with the insurances I can access? But what we don't want to do is we want to we don't want to be reactive. We don't want to get in a situation and say, oh, wow, I didn't plan for health care expense. We know it's going up and we know it's probably going to go up faster than inflation moving forward. Let's start planning for it today. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you start thinking about those sorts of things, and even looking at this number, $295,000, you stop and think, okay, that's what they're projecting. But you and I both know that that, as you mentioned, will go up, and things are going to change. I mean, we may be fairly healthy and be okay, but it doesn't take a whole lot to spend a ton on health care. On health, and here's the thing, too, with that is that's an average. Yeah. That means some of us will come in a little lower than that, but you probably got about a 50-50 shot of even coming higher Higher. than that big number that we're like, it's kind of making our eyeballs get big looking at that. So I guess the message here when we talk about this is let's not just bury our head in the sand. We call that in retirement planning, I call it as a very... Um, academic term. It's the ostrich with your head in the sand technique, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, let's don't just bury our head and just, just deal with it if it happens. Let's let's be proactive and see what's the best position we can put ourselves in because most likely, statistically, we're going to get sick. We're going to have to deal with some health care issues. Well, I think the other part of that is, you know, we just, we always think, I feel great now. I'm always going to feel this way. Right. And when you counsel with couples or individuals even, do they still pervasively have that sort of attitude? Like, why are we talking about this? It's so amazing. And I guess we all do this to an extent. It's, okay, I agree with the statistics. 66 plus percent are going to have some of these issues. That makes sense, but not me. Right. It's not going to happen to me or right. my or my family. Sure. No. So it's, it's it's everybody. It makes sense, but not us. Yeah. And things can change in a heartbeat when it comes to health. I mean, just just on a dime. And until you live through it, if you've gone through this with a parent or you've gone through an illness within your household, then it becomes very, very relevant. And sometimes we have less options. at that Well, point. even at a young age, my wife, a few years back, uh, broke her ankle. She had to have surgery and she was laid up for several weeks and then surgery later up even longer. And, you know, we got to thinking about that at home. It's like, you know. This really has put a kink in everything we had planned this year, but it was one of those things that happened that fast. That's what I was going to say is everybody probably listening to this show has had enough life to know it can change in a second. Yeah, and, and but we have to plan for it. And that's what we're all about here, Rich Life Retirement, talking about making those plans and getting what you need. Now, I find this interesting here because you and I have talked a little bit about this before, and I know you're... You played football, uh, high school, collegiate level, and I know that you watch all that you can get hold of when they're playing anyway. What's available? What's exactly when it's available. But NFL training camp's underway, and one of the rookies who's getting a lot of attention, Heisman Trophy winner Joe Burrow. Now, he went from being a college student last year, this blows my mind, to a multi-millionaire this year, if I only had that problem. Burrow already has a bunch of endorsement deals, and of course... He has that $36 million contract with the Bengals. Not bad. First job. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of skews the numbers when you look at first jobs out of college, doesn't it? That's right. But uh, someone asked him if he's made any extravagant purchases since signing with the team there in Cincinnati. And he says, quote, that he's going to let the NFL contract money grow while using the other income streams to pay my bills. So he's on the the Gronkowski plan we talked about earlier this year. And you mentioned that before, and I thought... I, I am actually heartened by this to see a young man coming with so much money so quickly and handling it so responsibly in that regard. And I'm hoping this is a trend we see. You know, we were joking with, with Rob Gronkowski, the party animal, saying, would you take financial advice from him? Maybe some of these young guys are. You <laughs> yeah. know? Well, this is good advice here. That's this right. Is great it advice. is actually good advice. Now, what's funny, Bill, is is when I saw, I did see that clip when they asked, they the reporter asked him that question. His dad, his dad actually piped up and said, "But you're still going to move out, right?" <laughs> right. Well, into one of my many houses now. Well, and I think that's relevant to. Okay, we might not be dealing when it comes to retirement. We might not have this thirty-six million. We can just bank on the side. Yeah. But is there is there income um, that we could put? Is there a bonus that we're getting yearly that we could say, okay, can I live on my salary and not my bonus and bank that? Because it does two things. 
is you're saving more, which is one half of the, the, the puzzle. Sure. And we're learning to live on a little less. We're lowering the expenses and increasing the savings. And that could come from, hey, maybe one of the spouses or both could max out a 401k and we learn to live on what's left. Maybe there's some rental income we could bank. So there's some there's some ways we could adjust. Again, the numbers are big in that in the NFL scenario. Sure. But are there some little things we can do? And again, you practice living on a little less and you bank a little more, and that makes the equation work a little better. Yeah, and that can be significant in our lives, even though we're not making the thirty six mil and, and you know going out there on the field. But you know, another part of that is when you talk about bonuses, and I just want to throw this out there because you probably have run into this. A lot of times I'm sure when somebody sits down and takes a look at their income, well, you know, I made seventy thousand dollars last year, but every year at the end of the year, I always get a $2,000 bonus. Right. So I made $72,000. No, you made $70,000 because you can't count on your business or wherever you're getting that bonus, that happening every year. And I think that's dangerous when people count on that as regular going to pay the bills income. It's a trap, right? It's it's you almost you almost go ahead and spend the money counting right. on that. And then yeah. what happens a year like this year when the company says, we just didn't have the revenue to do that. And the money's already spent. Yeah, you're stuck at that point. You should never do that. Don't don't include that in your plans. But except for the fact, like Bo said, that's a great idea. Just save it because it, it's found money anyway. Right. You can't count on it. All right. Got a question for you. How long are you going to live? Mm. Mm. Obviously, you don't know. You hope for a long time. I know I'm hoping a long time, but that's one of the things that makes retirement planning a bit of a challenge. Now, the best you can do is to make an educated guess and go from there. But what happens if you live five years longer than your best guess? If you spend just $40,000 a year, you'll end up with $200,000 less than you planned for. And that frightens me. That's a ton of money. Right. So here's the question. How do people solve the problem of not coming up short with their nest egg? I mean, because if I were planning to live to, say, 90 and I live to 95, do I have to just decide, okay, I'm going to stop living tomorrow. I need to stop breathing. I can't afford it. Well, first off, Bill, I tell people when we're doing one of these workshops, I said, if, if you can tell me exactly when you're going to die, I can give you the perfect scenario, <laughs> ratios, plan. But what's happening in this country is we're underestimating how long we're going to live, yeah. and we're outliving our money. And I was just looking at some research. This was Boston College research study, and it found that the average 65-year-old today is going to live till 85 Yet two-thirds of people say they don't think they're going to live past 80. So there's a little discrepancy beyond Mm -hmm. what we're thinking and what actually happens. And that example you gave at the beginning, I think that's powerful. What if we just outlive what we're thinking by, what, four years? That's $200,000. That adds up. That's a big miscalculation. Mm -hmm. So I think the way we address that is we we look for things like we talk about. Can we maximize uh, lifetime sources of income like our Social Security? Do we have other pensions and things like that that can make sure we have income we can count on? And are we being conservative with that estimate? Maybe we don't need to draw down our assets as quick as we're thinking because maybe we do live that extra five, ten years. And there's nothing worse. And and unfortunately, I've seen some of these scenarios. There's nothing worse running out of money and having ten years left to live. Yeah, that is that is a frightening, scary thing to be on. And, you know, the other other thing when you look at that, having money to spend now, and I've asked you this before, but please clarification for folks that are just joining us. Sure. uh, And that is when you're drawing from your retirement accounts, you're doing so that you're not drawing all of it down. So they're still earning a little bit in. In other words, you're taking two cups out, but maybe you're getting a cup, cup and a half poured back in. That not that the idea? Ideally, right. Ideally, you're actually growing that account some while you're drawing it down. Right. And you're, you're mathematically saying, okay, how much can I afford to draw down the last 30 years, sure. 35 years? Yeah. 
Now, does everybody do that? No, some people are drawing out of cash in a savings account. And again, that's not making up any ground and we're losing pace to inflation. So we just want to have a plan. We want our income money to be set up as income money, our growth money to be set up as growth money for the long term. And then our liquidity needs, that's more of the cash money. Yeah, because and you never get out of needing it to be set up that way. Right. Yeah. Because so what I'm learning from you is we have a certain approach strategy. Right. That's the strategy. Because we've modeled going into that. And we stick with that sort of, in other words, when you suddenly retire, you don't suddenly go, all right, stop the investing, just give me the money. You're really, uh, a successful retirement is is managing the strategy, right? It's a lot it bigger than- It should perpetuate itself. Right. Right. If it's set up right, yeah. it'll perpetuate itself. And even when things like this year happen outside of our control, it doesn't change your plan. Our yeah. income's still going to come. Our growth is still growing, but in the appropriate places. We are talking with our retirement resource. We're on the Rich Life uh, Retirement Show with Bo Henderson. He's the guy that keeps us on track when it comes to those sorts of things. And now the $64,000 question. Well, actually, it's worth much more than that. But how much money do you really need then? To ensure a comfortable retirement. I guess that depends on how you define comfortable, too. But CNBC's uh, Shannon Epperson says that people at Charles Schwab did a survey to find out. And the survey looks like it's two million for youngsters, roughly a million (laughs) and a half for the rest of us. Uh, But that's that. Is that really the way we should be looking at this? I mean, can you really quantify it with a number like that? So, yeah. So that that survey was saying, okay, younger generation needs to save $2 million because they may not be able to count on Social Security like, right. we, like we can. Well, in my, my daughter, she's, she's already said, I, I know I'm not going to get it, so she's, she's planning around it. Yeah, it's bonus if it's there. Yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. a great approach. Yeah. Uh, and one and a half million was the survey result for, for people a little older than that. And some of those results, some of the survey even came back as high as six million people thinking they needed six million. I think Fidelity and I'm, I'm name the name. They did a disservice to the consumer several years ago. They had a campaign that the whole campaign was what's your number. Right. I remember the commercials, people walking and saying, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. what's that big number? And, and the answer is there's no the one million, the one and a half million. I've seen people with two million. That because their expenses are so high and they don't have pensions or low so, or small social security benefits, they don't have enough money. Yeah. And I've seen people with very little saved assets that have the social security earnings credits, the um, a pension, and maybe a little um, savings to offset it, and they're just fine. So it's really what is what's your number, but it's not the big number we're looking for. It's what's the cash flow scenario. What's what do you, what do you need number? every month? What do you need to be able to keep yeah. the lights on and keep food on the table? We got to pay attention. Kind of like we talked about earlier, what's going in and what's coming out. That's the ratio and number we want to pay attention to. Okay, very good. Now, 72 is the new age at which you have to take those required minimum distributions. You guys like to call them RMDs. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting the lingo already. That's right, you yeah, man. Yeah. Do I get certified after this? Yeah, I'll, I've got a certificate for you. Okay, very good. <laughs> <laughs> certificate of participation, maybe. But even if you're not there yet, the uh, Seeking Alpha website recommends that you go ahead and try to estimate the amount of your distributions now. Two questions, why would we do that? And two, how do we do that? Well, so what we do there, so the required minimum distributions, what happens now, it was a really, it was a nice move that they were from, it was 70 and a half was when you were required to take them. This past year with some of the recent legislation, it's now 72. Yeah, let's just keep them in investments longer so it'll build longer. Got a year and a half. And, yeah. and even more importantly, you've got time for more tax strategy and planning leading up to that. Ooh, that's a good one. So, why, yeah, right. So why we want to know what that's going to be in the future and what kind of work we might need to do before 72 is RMDs can create big problems. I've, I've had scenarios, people coming in where they're getting six-figure, $100,000, $200,000 RMDs they're forced to take. Now, do you think an extra $100,000, $200,000 out of a taxable account is going to cause a tax issue? 
Mm, yeah. It can cause a big tax issue. And I know talking, my Uncle Sam, even a dollar taken out causes a tax that's issue. Right. So that's why we want, and there's our word model, we want to model what is it going to look like now, and is there work we can do for, with Roth conversions and other strategies to minimize that RMD? Because like it or not, that's forced on us. If you don't take it, it's a 50%. That's 50% penalty if you don't take your required minimum distribution. And um, whether the market's up or down, you have to take it. So we just want to model know what work can we do in that strategy. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, there you go. In the meantime, to minimize that burden and, and avoid that pitfall. I think a lot of people, though, when they think of the RMDs, they, they go, okay, yeah, but I'm going to be taking money out anyway. But what you have to realize, you may not want to take out as much as they tell you you have to take out, and that can really hurt you. Because you know, I think people don't think of it that way. Right. They see that, that, that RMD is, is a good thing. But right. it is really not because it takes the choice out of your hand. And if there's one thing I believe in, it's it's free choice. People should have a choice with what they do with their money. It was proactive. You proactively controlling this or reactively, it's going to happen to yeah, you. Exactly. Exactly. So go ahead and take care of that now. Now, here's where we started the show. And we promised this at the beginning of the show. One of a couple of things that we may we want to make good on. And that is when you leave a job. Kiplinger says there are four options for what you can do with your 401k. And that's why we said, what do you do after you leave a job with your 401k? We're going to get the answer now because I'm going to throw it in your court. Four options. Let's talk about those. Tell us mm-hmm. what the pros and cons of each are, what the options are, and then which ones work best and maybe not what so What makes well. sense, what doesn't yeah. work. So the first thing we could do, we could leave an employer or we could just need access to the funds. We could cash it out. Okay. Now, there's a couple of issues that could come up with that. Say if we cash out a, a five hundred thousand dollar four hundred one k, that's five hundred thousand dollars of taxable income. Yeah, it's not worth five hundred thousand now. Right. Yeah. Now, one nice thing is is b- before this year and in, in the COVID twenty twenty world, um, there was a a ten percent early withdrawal penalty if you're under fifty years old. That actually is waived this year, and that's kind of to help some people if they needed to kind of hey fight to live to the survive. fight another day. Sure, absolutely. So mm-hmm. cash outs one, you could always stay in your existing plan. I mean, you could stay in the plan at work usually, uh, and some people will do that. And and the only problem with staying with a plan when you leave is you're kind of limited to the investment options within that plan. Okay, you don't have any flexibility really with that. Right. Now, if you're at a new employer, you could move money to that new employer's plan. Kind of the same deal. Uh, might make sense, but you might be limited to you have less control over the fees in that plan and the investment options in that plan. Sure, okay. Now, what's most popular is we see people moving it to a personal IRA. So it can come from a retirement plan like a 401k, 403b, and it goes into a personal IRA, and then you control you navigate what investments you have access to, the fees you pay, and all that. So those are the four scenarios, and sometimes there's different reasons to do different things, but the most common bill is to take control and you actually manage and run your own for uh, IRA. Well, and the one thing you don't want to do that I'm hearing in all of this, and, and what I've experienced, at least this is a rule of thumb, is when the money comes out, don't touch it. That's right. In other words, make sure it goes from one one pot to the next pot and not into your hands first, because that's where the taxes will get you. Yeah, we want to make sure we're using language like direct transfer from a four hundred one k to an IRA. We don't want to we don't want to touch it. Now there's there's some rollover things you can do, but you can also mess that up. So direct transfer. Very good works well. And 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 the other thing is when you keep talking about personal uh, IRA, I, I I I'm a big fan of the Roth. Do we want to underline that that's really what you should go for? Or are there times when you don't want to go that way? Well, if I'm coming out of a 401k, unless it's a Roth, it's going to go into an IRA first. But now once it's an IRA, then we can start working on that Roth conversion strategy. Okay, so you can't convert straight into that. You, you We could do a conversion, but again, we're not necessarily going to want to convert 500000 in one chunk. 
So we might want to do 40000 a year for 10 years. Okay. So, you, right. so, so it comes into the plan. Sure. All right. Very good. That's why you need somebody like our retirement resource here, Bo Henderson, with us on a Rich Life Retirement. Bill Main with him, hanging out and asking some questions today and get some great information. Here's one for you. We have a listener question for this week. And, you know, one of the things I think you hear about more than anything is questions about Social Security, because mm-hmm. as we mentioned, you told me over 500 ways to, to set Plain that up. Benefit. Oh, it's just crazy. It's just so, so crazy. Here's the thing. A listener asks, can I collect both Social Security disability and Social Security retirement at the same time? Is that possible? Okay, that's a good question. So so Social Security disability and Social Security retirement are two different funds. Okay. And what happens if you qualify for Social Security disability and you're before full retirement age, which is somewhere in the range of 66 to 67 now for, for people, um, you would get a benefit for You'd basically get your full retirement benefit, even if you're younger, um, as a Social Security disability benefit. Okay. Now, what happens is when you turn full retirement age, it automatically kind of flips over and starts coming from the Social Security retirement benefit. So the answer is no, you can't receive both at the same time. That'd be a nice way to double dip, <laughs> but it does. It doesn't really change your benefit. If you if you apply if you've got Social Security disability, it's going to be pretty much the same thing once you reach full retirement age and just shift to your retirement benefit. Okay, and that that's that's a, an important factor to make in there because some folks may not understand that. I didn't understand that until you told me that. And also, when you go to start to file or to plan, it's nice to know the fact that you can't count on both of those incomes. Yeah, we don't have both. And then then the thing with Social Security, and that's why we talk so much about it, Bill, is the average family does not claim it. 92% does not, do not claim their, their optimized benefit, getting the most they possibly can. And it's to the tune of $111,000 of benefit left on the table. So that's why it's so important we talk about that. All right, very good. Now, before we get out of here, the clock has almost got us. Only got a couple of minutes left here, so we need to we need to make good on the other promise. One, I asked was going to ask you about the four hundred one k. You got a, a great answer on that, but what about the book giveaway? Want to give a chance for folks to to pick up a book, and you know they may have varying questions, so you've got a choice of nine books here. Right. Well, let's start with since the Social Security question was the listener question today. I'm going to say it's the customized Social Security book, but. Okay. If you call and we see that's not an issue, we can switch it up. But go to richlifeadvisors.com and just there, scroll down to the bottom of the page and put in WDUN on the contact or WDUN book, and we'll contact you and make sure we get that book sent out to you. And just let us know maybe what is that top concern you're dealing with. Right, yeah. And, uh, hey, contribute questions to us, too. We love that when folks do that, and we'll share them here on the air. You know, we cover a lot of ground today, and uh, I've... I'm learning a lot. Like I said, I need a certificate. I think I'm, I, can, I almost passed that test. But the big question is, how does someone out there who needs help with a retirement strategy review that we talk about all the time, how do they take the first step and, and encourage them to take the first step? Because I think sometimes we don't want to talk about our money, and we really should. Yeah, I think the first step you're listening here, read books. Um, the easy, non-threatening approach we do is reach out to richlifeadvisors.com. And let us know if you want to do that retirement strategy review just to see, am I on track or what are the action items I need to take? And you can always do that at richlifeadvisors.com or give me a call at 770-249-7424. That's 770-249-RICH. Fantastic. Hope folks will take advantage of this. And, you know, it's one of the things you and I talked about on uh, Mornings on Main Street one morning, and that was uh, the discussion about money. And how that's one of the things we just don't seem to want to talk about. It's like it's a not a it's like it's a four letter word and it's supposed to, you know. <laughs> and, and there's this negative energy bill. But when we just say, hey, this is my life. This is my happiness. This is my uh, retirement future. We just talk about money. The people that talk about money are ones that do better with money and they're successful. And 
We just need to get rid of that negative energy. Right? Well, I will tell you this. When you check in with your Rich Life Advisor, be it Bo or whomever it might be at Rich Life Advisors, one of the things you need to have prepared to have a conversation about is not just money. And, right. and that is your life. And I love the fact that you guys include that. It's a holistic look at that and say, look, don't just plan on what you're going to spend and how you're going to make it. Plan on what you're going to do with your time because that's important. And you know what made that uh, such an important part of what we do? I, and much younger in my career, much earlier in my career, I started seeing people that were financially successful. They had enough money to make the, the plan work, but their retirement wasn't successful, uh-huh. meaning they weren't satisfied, yeah. they weren't fulfilled, yeah. they weren't happy, relationships were failed. So that's what it's all about. we got to have both parts. If you're going to have the time, you're going to have that money, you need to be able to enjoy both of them equally. Bo, thanks for being with us. Look forward to being back with you next week. And uh, don't forget, he's going to check in with us uh, tomorrow on uh, Mornings on Main Street. I'll call you up. I'll be there. Sounds right. good, Bill. Thanks. If you have specific retirement questions or would like to know more about Rich Life Advisors, go to richlifeadvisors.com or call 770-249-7424. That's 770-249-RICH. Rich Life Advisors LLC provides investment advisory services through Formula Folios. Bo Henderson is a licensed insurance agent in Georgia.